0: Seated. We show our appreciation to those who were baptized and testified of the relationship with God. My name is Jamie Lamato, and um, I'm one of the elders here at Pillar uh, until after today. And uh, so today is our last Sunday here as a family. And uh, we will be moving to Front Royal, and as of yesterday, we were voted in as the next lead pastor of Mosaic Church of Winchester, so excited about that. So, um, you say why all that? Um, I don't know. Um, All I know is we looked for a house, we kept trying to look for a house, we had houses fall through because the market's crazy. And uh, we extended our search a little farther out and we uh, were able to uh, step into a house that was in process of being built. And um, God has really uh, blessed our family with that. And um, in the midst of that, I talked to the elders of uh, Pillar and was talking to Colby and Clint. And I said, uh, you know, we're moving and it's a little, an hour and a half is probably a little too far to drive to come to Pillar. And they said, well, where are you going to go to church? And I said, we haven't figured that part out yet, um, but God will open up a door. And Clint uh, immediately, like Clint does, says, hey, uh, there's a church in Winchester that's looking for a pastor. Would you be interested in that? And so we began conversations with them. And uh, over the last couple months, we've been in and out from here, and that's because we've been there. And uh, and so they voted uh, 100% in, in favor. So it's a pretty... Uh, rare thing, according to Clint, uh, doesn't happen, so we're super thankful for that. So hopefully it goes good, everybody is in favor, and I'll just tell them if it doesn't, it's your fault. You voted us in. So, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 today. We have a lot of ground to cover, um, but we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. So let's read God's word together. It says this, Blessed be the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You can underline that phrase right there. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's our big idea today, and we're going to build off of that. Every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ. Let's continue reading even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture of that in the baptisms that we saw this morning. We've been adopted into his family. We are now a part of his family. That's a really great place to say amen. All right? Thank you right right over here so in love he predestined us for adoption through as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. That is one long run-on sentence. 202 Greek words, one sentence that theologians love and English teachers hate. One long spirit-inspired run-on sentence. Let's pray, and then we'll dive into it. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're so clearly displayed in your word this morning. God, I pray for those who come into this place today discouraged. I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that those who come into this place today far from you would be brought near to you. Those who come into this place dead in their trespasses and sins, I pray that you would make them alive together in Christ. And those of us who come today who are encouraged, that we would be reminded of the fuel for which we live out the purpose of this church, which is to know Jesus and make him known. We ask you for your help right now by your spirit to understand these words and to apply them to our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Well, if you were to search hashtag blessed on Instagram and on social media, you would come up with some 134 million posts. Whether it's the blessed life, hashtag blessed, And you would find anything from new jobs, new houses, new cars, new experiences, new babies. You would find all kinds of things. People laying on beaches saying, this is the blessed life. You would find all kinds of wonderful startups and technology and marriages and cars. And all of these things are good and great things, but they are gifts They are not the source of our blessing. It seems to me that when you make this search it implicitly says that this is the only way that God blesses us. Is if we have these things, these experiences that we have a life full of power and popularity and success. Could it be that the Blessed life has been redefined and that we need to be brought back to the real definition of what it means to have a blessed life. Paul here in the book of Ephesians is drawing our attention back to what the real blessed life is, what blessing really is. You see, we live in a world that's seeking to redefine what blessing is and where it's found. The definition of this blessed life is really about the accumulation of possessions and experiences. And it's what fuels what is known as the American dream, the blessed life. You can write this down and remember me by this, okay? So the American dream can be defined in one simple phrase it's this do all you can, get all you can. So you can sit on your can. That's the blessed life, according to the American dream. Do all you can, get all you can, so you can sit on your can. Sit on a beach and declare that you've received the blessed life. So why this redefinition? Because we all want to be loved. We all want to experience love. But we look for it in all the wrong places. And so, this passage shows shows us what love really is, what blessing really is, and where it's found, and how every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ. You might be here today, and like me, you've over the last year tried to find your blessing in places. Maybe it's in your job, maybe it's in your miles or your points. And when that's all taken away because we're not able to travel, now where do we find our blessing? Maybe it's in your kids. There's nothing wrong with kids. we got a bunch right here. It's amazing. And uh, we got some more over here. And we're thankful for them. And they are a blessing. The Scriptures tell us that children are a blessing from the Lord. But when we find our significance in them and not in the giver of those blessings, it's when our perspective is out of place. Maybe it's in your hobbies or you're in your experiences. Fill in the blank, whether it's your job, your possessions, sex, experiences, whatever it may be. All of these things, whatever they might be, are things that are given by God, created for us to enjoy, but are not the source of our blessing. So if you find yourself today here feeling unsatisfied, feeling jilted a little bit, feeling like you've been lied to, this passage is good news for us. It's good news to remind us where our source of blessing is found. And so because these words were written to us by God to tell us who he is and what he has done for us, and to reveal to us who God is and how we can connect with him, then these words really matter. And what this says matters. So today we are going to look at how every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ. And because Paul decided to read write one big long run-on sentence, all of our points come together as one Long run-on sentence that's going to help us to see what the passage says today. So, our big idea is every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ. Number one, through a predetermined choice. Through a predetermined choice. You see, if you and I are truly in Christ, we've experienced what we saw here depicted. We've gone from death to to life, if we've experienced that, we are in Christ, and we—it's because we have been chosen by God. It's this theological concept that's hard to understand, known as predestination. Yes, the last Sunday here, I get all of these: predestination, redemption, forgiveness—all of the theological terms. But it's my own fault. I picked the passage. The statement found here is a powerful statement, but it's often been seen as a controversial statement. That God chooses those he loves. It's it's controversial. Verse number 5, it says he predestined us for adoption. Verse number 11, he predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So these verses raise all kinds of questions. Did we choose God, or did God choose us? What about free will? If God chose, then what responsibility do I have? Well, these are all great questions, and the passage deals with these questions, but we really need to set a little ground rule for when it comes to understanding topics like this, and understanding who God is, and how every spiritual blessing is found in Christ. And it's this that there are some things about God that we may never understand on this side of heaven. Deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29 says this. It says, "The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law." You see there's a distinction between the revealed thing, the revealed will of God, And the secret will of God. And the secret will of God is for him to know. And the revealed will is for us to understand and to believe and to follow. You see, some things remain hidden and that really aggravates us as people. We want to have it all figured out. We want to have all the boxes in a row. We want to have all of it neatly put in a box. And the reality is because we are not God, we're not going to fully understand this. Because we're talking about God. And it shouldn't surprise us that some places will remain hidden. This will help you understand it a little bit. My oldest son, Tyson, just turned 17. And I love him. And he's really smart, and I'm thankful for him. And uh, he's been in the governor's school through George Mason, through the through the public school, and uh, he's in the physics program. And so he's studying physics and calculus and uh, calc two and comsci and I mean all these other terms I don't even know, I can't even explain it to you. And uh, most days we sit down to talk about how school is going. I don't understand a word he's saying. Not one word. Not even one phrase. And, uh, and so because I don't understand it, it doesn't mean that I don't keep asking and don't keep seeking and don't keep trying to understand where he's coming from and what he's passionate about. You see, the reason why I lean in and press into the thing I don't understand is because I love him. I love him. And so I press in and I seek to understand, but often I simply have to go for the ride and embrace the mystery because I don't understand. And when it comes to this idea that God predestined in eternity past those who would trust in him, believe in him, we have to embrace the mystery in that. That I don't fully grasp it, I don't fully understand it. Certainly there are theologians that are much brighter than I who can help us understand it better, but the heart of this passage is the phrase that comes next at the beginning of verse 5, in love. He predestined. You see, from eternity past to the present and all the way into the future until time ends, God has lavished his love upon us as human beings. And it's seen beautifully in Christ that God would create a humanity who would say, you know what, we're going to rebel against you, and he would say, you know what, I'm going to come and love you anyway. I'm going to sacrifice my one and only son, so that you could be in relationship with me. In love, he predestined us. Before the world was ever established, God knew you and loved you. For as long as God has been in existence from eternity past, he has known about you, cherished you, and planned to redeem and save you. What better picture than what we just saw in this beautiful lady from Ethiopia who God lavished His love on her so much so that He would give her a dream and she would move from one country to the next so that she would come to faith. This is God's love for us. This doesn't mean that God just knew beforehand. It means that He set His love on you before you were even thought up by your parents. This is all an action taken by God out of love for you. And what better blessing than Him to set His affection and love on you? More important than a car or experience or a house or a vacation. The God of the universe would set His affection on you. What more blessing could you want or need or desire? Think about this for a moment. From verse 3. When the process of salvation begins, to verse 14, when we are pictured in being in the presence of God to the praise of his glory for all of eternity, God is the one who takes all the action. This sentence has 48 pronouns, 30 of them belong to God. Out of the 24 verbs or action sequences in it, God God does 20 of them. You and I do four. Listen to the four. We listen, we receive, we believe, and we hope. The fuel for the truly blessed life is Jesus, who lavished his love upon you and upon me by predetermining before life ever began. You see, every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ through a predetermined choice. Number two, made possible by a redeeming sacrifice. Made possible by a redeeming sacrifice. What did he make possible? He made possible at the end of verse 5 that we were adopted as sons and daughters of God. We were adopted into his family. You see, we weren't just simply wayward children, but we were far from God and he adopted us into his family. That's what God has done for us. And he did that by a redeeming sacrifice, verse 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood. In other words, he bought you back. He redeemed you. If you have a coupon for Chick-fil-A, it's like gold, right? That free Chick-fil-A sandwich. It's like, man, that's gold, right? That free donut at Krispy Kreme. That free oil change, whatever it is, it's like gold to you. The $10 off at Ace Hardware, that's like gold for me right now. Building a house and moving. Right, I love those. But Jesus, in his sacrifice, he purchased your redemption. He purchased that, and that provided forgiveness for you. You see, the sacrifice of Jesus provided the blessing for our greatest need. And that's not... More experiences. That's not more vacations. That's forgiveness by God. You see, we were enemies of God. We were strangers of God. And in love, He predestined us. In love, He adopted us. In love, He redeemed you to forgive you. You see, the greatest need of every person, whether you recognize it or not is to have the forgiveness of your sins. That's why this is worth celebrating. Because it's a picture of us being forgiven of all of our sins. All of our sins being washed away. Health, adequate money, a happy family are wonderful blessings. But if you die without God's forgiveness, you have nothing. You have nothing. Nothing. Your greatest need is to know that God has forgiven you of your sins and that you are reconciled to a holy God. And he's provided the way for that. Every other religion says you have to do something to earn God's love, to earn God's favor, to earn God's forgiveness. And in the message of the gospel that we see through the pages of Scripture, it consistently and repeatedly says, you don't need to do anything, but believe in me. But trust in me, to trust that my sacrifice is enough for you. Every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ. See, Jesus proclaimed the same message. The same desire that we need for forgiveness. In John chapter 7, verse 37 through 38, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me... As the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Why? Because all you need is Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus provided you the blessing of not only redemption and forgiveness, but it also provided you freedom. Freedom from the penalty of sin and death. You see this is the greatest place for us to say amen because the redemption brought about release. Release from the penalty, release from what we deserved, release from bondage, release from owing a debt that we could not pay. The sacrifice of Jesus provided you the blessing that can be enjoyed right now. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you can receive forgiveness right now. You don't have to wait till some kind of end of service thing where you pray or anything like that. Right now, you can receive the forgiveness of God. Just call on his name and you will receive all the forgiveness that you need. Paul doesn't say, in him someday you will be redeemed. In him someday you will be forgiven. In him someday you might experience redemption if you do enough. No, he says in him we have redemption. It's our current experience and expression and reality. We have it. If you're here today and you know Jesus, you may not have anything else. You may be wearing borrowed clothes. You might not be sure where your job is going to take you. You may not be sure if you're going to be able to keep your house or if you're going to have a house or retirement in the future. But if you are in Christ's You have redemption. It can't be taken away. It's a present reality. It's a current possession. It's your experience. So every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ through a predetermined choice. Made possible by a redeeming sacrifice. That has been made clear in spite of being a mystery. You see, the fact that the God of the universe would come down and love us and live for us and die for us and save us as rebels is an absolute mystery. Why? Why would he do this? Why would he do this? Because ultimately, he does have a wonderful plan for your life. Ultimately, he does have a purpose for your life and a perspective for your life. And it's better that we know this, and embrace this, and become dependent upon this, and embrace this mystery. See, God has blessed you and I by letting us in on a mystery. And here's the mystery in the whole crux of the book of Ephesians, and it's the phrase that we highlighted as we read it over and over, in Him, in Christ, in Him. In Christ, through him, by him, in Christ. What is this mystery? It's what theologians call union with Christ. That's a mystery. That perfect, sinless, eternal, holy, righteous God would say, you belong to me. I'm in fellowship with you. I love you. You're mine. You belong to me. This union with Christ is a mystery. You see it in the book of Ephesians in chapter 2 and in chapter 3. You see, this union is all about Him. It's not what we bring into it. It's what He has brought into it and bringing us near to Him. You see, the outcome of history is certain, and God has revealed to us in in advance he is going to sum up all things under himself and knowing that outcome you'd be a fool to bet your life on anything else you'd be a fool to say you know what i'm going to seek out the blessed life in my job and in that i will find satisfaction you'd be a fool to place all your chips in that category You'd be a fool to say, you know what, I I love my kids and I'm going to just seek the blessed life and having my kids be the center of my universe. You'd be a fool to do that. You'd be a fool to say, you know what, I'm going to just focus a little bit of it on church and just kind of do a little bit here and not discover my spiritual gifts and not invest my life and just kind of show up and do the little worship thing. Be a fool to do that. Because he has brought you in. And he has made you a part of his family and he has lavished his love upon you and he has chosen you and he has redeemed you and he has forgiven you. And the most sensible thing you could do is to get in on that mystery and begin to pursue union with him and to give your life up for him. That's the most sensible thing that we could do, is to invest our life in him. So every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ through a predetermined choice made possible by a redeeming sacrifice that has been made clear in spite of being a mystery. Making way for an eternal inheritance. Verse number 11. In Him we have obtained an inheritance that's been having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. See, that's that phrase again, in Him. You see, in this life, you may or may not get an inheritance. I hope one day to give my kids an inheritance. Maybe really small, but I hope to give them something. You see, in Christ, we have access to an inheritance because of Jesus, but we must be found in Him to have it. You can't be near him and get it. You can't be just like kind of close to it, but not actually be found in him to get it. You don't get it because of proximity. Like, my parents are Christians, so as a result, I'm going to get an inheritance. That's not the way it works. You're either in him or apart from him. You see, the sentence begins with, in him... Paul used in him or in Christ in verse 3, verse 4, verse 7, verse 9, verse 10. In other words, all the blessings, all the inheritance, we have access to all of that because of him. All of God's blessings center in and come from Jesus because of what he's done for us on the cross. So, what does this mean? It really means what the scripture says. That apart from Christ, we have nothing. Nothing. So our salvation should lead us to increase in spiritual understanding of what we have in Him. In Him means we have an amazing inheritance that's guaranteed. Guaranteed. See, when it comes to investments, that's what we're all looking for, is a guarantee, right? Clint and I were hanging out last night, and we were talking about investing in different things and real estate or whatever it may be, and we're really looking for a guarantee that this is going to work out. We've both experienced some things working out, some things not working out, right? Some things we thought were going to be really great, and they didn't turn out so well, Some things that didn't have a great return on investment. Here's what's beautiful about the investment that Christ has made in the sacrifice that he provided for us in living for us and dying for us and rising from the dead and then calling us and lavishing his love upon us. That this is an inheritance. This is an investment that's guaranteed. It's 100% return on investment. And Paul means... To show us that God chose us to obtain this inheritance. And here's what's beautiful about it the Holy Spirit is the first installment on that guarantee. So, tomorrow we're gonna close on our house, hopefully. It's like the third closing date that we've had, right? And uh, we're gonna put some money down. And when we do that, it says we're good for this. Our credit is checked out, we've gone through underwriting. We've done all of that, and we're good for this. And when we pay that money, which is a lot, we'll pay that money and they'll say, the lamados are good for it. And here's what Jesus has done in all of his investment, in all of his sacrifice. He says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to leave a helper. I'm going to leave a down payment, a guarantee that you, I'm coming back and you're going to receive the inheritance. And on top of that, I'm going to give you someone who's going to help you live for me and find all of your blessings in me. So I'm going to leave you myself. The Holy Spirit. That's what I loved about the testimony of your son. It was so beautiful. He's like, now I don't have to pout anymore. Right? Now you don't have to pout anymore. When you miss out on that vacation, when you miss out on that house, when you miss out on that new car, when you miss out on that promotion, or even if you get all those things, we don't have to pout anymore as followers of Jesus because we have the Holy Spirit who is inside of us and dwelling inside of us and is the guarantee that He is coming back and He's going to take us back and He's going to give us everything that we need. He's making a way for an eternal inheritance. So every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ through a predetermined choice made possible by a redeeming sacrifice that has been made clear in spite of being a mystery, making way for an eternal inheritance for the purpose of maximum glory. Verse 12 through 13, Paul is communicating to us that in him we have the blessing of hope, and the opportunity to put glory in its proper place. That's what he's saying. He's saying there's a scale, and the world is trying to outweigh this scale and say glory is things, experiences, it's possessions, it's vacations, it's Instagram, it's the blessed life. And it's trying to weigh this down. And what Paul is bringing us back to is he's saying, nothing in comparison to Christ. The scales always tip in his favor and absolutely get decimated on this side because of who Jesus is and what he's done. If you are found in him, no matter whether you get any of these things over on this side, whether you ever go on another vacation or get a new car or ever get a new house or another promotion or you get kicked out of the military, or whatever, no matter what happens, the scales will never tip away from the glory of Christ. That it's weighty. That it's significant. You see, we started our time together talking about the hashtag blessed life. And this hunger and drive is often misguided, misguided, And misplaced. But if we will shift our hope to being in Christ alone, we have an endless supply. We have an endless supply to everything we could ever really hope for. And then He gives us Himself, the Holy Spirit. To give Him maximum glory. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard to give glory to God. To to really turn it all back to Him. But if you think about it, He's given us Himself to be successful in that endeavor. He's given us Himself to help us be successful. God is so committed to you living for the glory of God that He gave you Himself. And that's a guarantee. God is so committed to your success that He has given you Himself. The Father sent the Son to save you from your rebellion, sin, and foolishness. And in Christ, He sent us His Spirit to live the life we were always created to live. So... Every spiritual blessing finds its source in Christ through a predetermined choice made possible by a redeeming sacrifice that has been made clear in spite of being a mystery, making way for an eternal inheritance for the purpose of maximum glory. We've got one more verse because he is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all praise. You see, in Christ, we get the blessing of him with our praise. The only response to a passage like this is when we sing, to close out the service, is to put your hands up. That's the only response. The only response when we leave here, when we literally walk out these doors to a crowded parking lot with cars scattered everywhere, is to leave with hands up in praise to him. The only response to a passage like this that shows us that all of our blessings are found in him is to tomorrow get up and go to our jobs, to get up tomorrow and care for our kids with our hands up in praise to him because he has brought us near. There's only one response. Hands lifted up. Life lifted up. Everything we have lifted up in praise to him. This whole book starts with the God of the universe creating everything and being worshipped and praised. And it ends with the God of the universe being worshipped and praised. And that's what our life is meant to be. A worship song, a hymn, giving all praise and glory. So, our vision here is a pillar, is to know Jesus and make him know. And if you ever needed fuel for that, you ever needed to go to a place where fuel wouldn't run out, we experienced that the last couple weeks, right? A couple weeks ago, I was at the gas station and uh, scooted in behind a, a semi that was blocking the outside pump and scooted in, this guy was trying to get to the same pump. And I got there seconds before him. And uh, he began to yell and curse at me and, and I just wave, passive aggressive, you know, just wave. And I got the 87 out, put it in, no gas. Swiped the card again, still no gas. Put it in, waved at him, pulled it back out, 89, no gas, no fuel. Scanned it a couple times. I thought maybe there was a mistake. No, no gas. Pulled out the 92, almost four bucks a gallon put it in, got some gas. I'm like, it's working. You know? If you ever needed fuel for this life, it's not found on Instagram, it's not found on social media, it's not found in a new job, it's not found in a new car, it's not found in a new experience, not a new vacation. If you ever needed the fuel for this life and the real blessing that you're in need of, if you've ever needed fuel to know Jesus and make him known, Every spiritual blessing. All the fuel you ever need is found in Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we exist here to know him and make him known to you. We hope through the testimonies that you've seen, the song that we've sung, and a stammering white guy from Indiana, you would know that every blessing that you would ever need is found in Him. And so we would ask that you would respond, just like the passage has shown us, that you would listen, you would receive, you would believe, and you'd put your hope in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for the good news that we have heard today. We ask that in these moments that we have left, that Your Spirit would do the work That only you can do. And that's to take those who are here that don't know you and bring them into a relationship with you. That you would move heaven and earth like you did with those who testified this morning of their faith in Jesus through baptism. That you would move heaven and earth just like you did for them. For them to trust and believe in you. God, for those of us who are here today that do know you and trust in you. That we would live our lives fueled by the blessing that we have in you. And that our lives would be an act of worship to you because you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name.